Father, I ask that this time be, um, be your time. That your, uh, that your Bible, your words from James would speak to us. And that we would be ready to receive what you have for us this morning. In your name, amen. All right. So I've just recently gotten myself back into riding my road bike, which has been good for me. Um, and then I was reminded as I've been riding that um, some time ago I used to ride in the Proudy. We just had the Proudy a couple weeks ago, and um, I would ride the Century Ride. And, and as you're finishing up around mile 94, 95, you're hitting this flat in Route 10 after you come out of Lyme, coming into Hanover, and it's nice, easy spinning, and you're doing well, and you're thinking, all right, you know, we're at the end of this, we're doing great, and then you remember Chieftain Hill. So for anybody that has even, not even ridden a road bike, or just rid, driven your car from Lyme to uh, Hanover, and if you are driving a manual, or even notice your automatic car, it will downshift a lot to make it up that hill. And um, so you're sitting there going, you're like, all of a sudden you go, oh man, we have more grinding to do um, to finish this off. And in fact, nowadays they have, uh, during the Proudy, they have a steel drum band um, playing to encourage you. Um, but the reason why I share that is I sort of feel that, you know, often, and we've seen some of this in other letters from other authors in the New Testament, you know, you get to the end of the letter and it's this nice, calm, you know, wind down at the end with some greetings and some remembers of, remembrances of this person and that person, but that's not James. You know, James is like, all right, we got Chieftain Hill yet, we got to grind this sucker out and we're just going to keep going. Um, and that's what we have here in James. Even though we feel we've made it to the end of James, um, in the, what I would say the great squirm fest, uh, if you've been at all engaging into James these past weeks, I know I've been, I've been squirming a lot. Um, in fact, I don't know if I've necessarily learned anything new in James, but I've definitely been reminded of what I already knew. And, and the Lord has been doing at least a work in my life, and I hope in yours, um, where I'm feeling like I'm, I'm leaving James here changed. You know? Um, not, I mean, it's not a 180-degree change, but there's definitely things in my life that I'm like, Wow, I know Christ better. I'm, I'm more con, convinced of these certain things and convicted of these other things in my life that um, are starting to change. You could probably ask my family, and they'll be like, ah, I haven't seen anything, because um, they get to live with me. But hopefully it's the, the, the seed of some stuff that are starting to grow of change in my own life, and I hope the same is true with you. So religion versus faith, life or duty, it's kind of the thing that we've been seeing throughout James this entire time. It's the question that he's been putting before us. You know, are we going to be a religious? Or are we going to have faith? Are we going to live a life of duty? Or are we just going to live our lives um, in faith? You know, so my question is, have we captured the charge that James has given us continually throughout this in, his entire letter? You know, are we going to live this religious life and be dutiful? Or are we going to take the difficult road of faith and actually live it out? You know, it is easy to live a religious life. To be honest, it really is. Uh, my experience from what I've seen growing up, and we see the Pharisees, is that a religious person really is not a person, or they're not a people of change, but more a people of 
of a, con, of a concern. So I'd say they're more of a concerned people, concerned about did they get everything right? They're checking out everybody else. Are they doing things right and judging them? That's sort of the, the life of a religious person. But the life of a person of faith, they actually only have one concern, and that's Jesus. And they allow that concern for Jesus to drive them and to serve in a way that he did. And James has repeatedly made this point throughout his letter, um, and this section is really no different. Are we going to live a life of faith, or are we going to live a life of religion and judgment? So my disclaimer before we dive into this is um, some of my influences through my study of this last part of James um, has been uh, Francis Chan, John Piper, and John Stout. Um, so if you uh, hear anything that sounds familiar to any of those folks, they get the credit, not me. Um, I'm just sort of repeating some of the things that they've said. But you know, it's, it's, as much as I want to you know, say, this is what this person said, this was what this person said, it sort of gets intermingled. For those of you, know, as you're studying scripture and looking at other, other things, it just sort of gets intermingled into your thoughts. All right, so let's dive in here. The first verse, 5, um, 13. You know what's interesting is that James is, is he's really broken this up here, and, and as, you, um, as I put in the bulletin, sort of the three different sections here, and as we start in, it's sort of, James is basically saying, watch what you say, right? Watch what you say. But I thought James made a very bold point here in the very beginning of verse 12, above all. I'm like, James, you're like the master attention getter, right? Like you write this whole letter and then you get into verse, you, you, obviously he doesn't have chapters, but you get into this, this section here that you're writing to the, um, to the folks of the dispersion and you say, above all. Above all? So everything that you've written so far, James, above all, this is the most important point? No. But he's trying to bring attention to it, right? He's trying to emphasize. You know, we do this all day. Right? Have we, whoever has said, this is the best ice cream I've ever had. I've had the worst day ever. Right? Um, and we have to check ourselves. You know, you probably shouldn't go to that person and say, really, was this the worst day ever? I've done that. It doesn't go well. Right, hon? <laughs> no, they're just emphasizing. Basically saying, listen up. I've had the worst day ever. Fellas, listen when your wife says that. Don't say what I used to say. All right. But no, he's trying to emphasize a point. Listen up. This is an important thing. And do you hear the pleading that James is saying here? Brothers. Our brothers and sisters here. He's speaking to the dispersion. He's not speaking just to a particular church or people group, but all believers. He's saying all believers, my brothers, my sisters, I might not even know any of you, and you don't know me, but I feel this connection with you. And he actually does that a little bit later at the end of his letter too. But we see James and his, his concern as well as his unity that he finds with all people that are, that are followers of his brother, um, Jesus. He's saying, don't go back to your old ways. Listen up, your new creations. James, if he is anything else, he is short and sweet, isn't he? James pretty much is like a, do this, don't do that. Same thing here, as we read. Above all, my brothers, do not swear 
either by heaven or earth or by any other oath. Okay? You know, he's just kind of like, don't do this. He doesn't like ease into it. He just says, don't do this. There's no messing around. I'll be honest, we can't sidestep from this one. You know, if you read this and you go, yeah, right on, I don't, I don't, I don't swear by this. Or that. I do, really? Who of us here has not said, I promise I will, right? Or on my, maybe you haven't said this one, but you know, it's a stretch. On my great-grandmother's grave, right? I swear to God, or I swear, I swear to Buddha, right? I mean, <laughs> we say these things. And the question is, why do we invoke the name of other things to, to firm up our words? Why do we feel this need? Is it because we're not trustworthy? Do, don't we hold each other accountable you know, to what we said we're going to do? And then James says in here, there's this condemnation. You know, he doesn't just say, hey, let your yes be yes or your no be no and stop there with a period. No, there's a comma as he continues and says, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Well, what condemnation is he talking about? Well, if we are invoking the name of God, as often people will do, or we often will do, to hold up our commitment, don't we realize that God is omniscient and omnipresent, and he hears all that we're saying and doing? And if we're going to, we're going to, I don't know, I just sort of feel like, I can imagine God saying this, right? You know, we might, I have teenagers, as you guys know, and there's chores around the house, and we've often said, hey, you got to do this before you do that, right? We've all said that, you know, and I've often heard, hey, I'll do that, I, I swear I'll do that. You know, I'll promise I'll do that before I go to my friend's house. I mean, what if you threw in there? You're like, what if somebody swore, to, said, you know, I, I promise to God, I swear to God, I'll do this before. Like, I can imagine God saying, why are you involving me in a promise that you will clean the toilets before you go to your friend's house? Like, seriously? Like, that's the way you're going to convince your parents? You have to pull me in because they don't really trust what you're going to say? I mean, that's what James is saying. Simply let your yes be yes, your no be no. Because honestly... Our, our invoking of other things, our promising of this and that, it's really no benefit to us, and it's really no benefit to the other person. You know, we might as well say this. Let, let, this is, this again, just being honest how I felt when I read this. You know, if I'm just the one saying this to myself, I might as well say this to you. If I'm, gonna in, if I'm not gonna let my yes be yes and my no be no, I might as well say this. All right, I know that you know that I'm not trustworthy. But if I swear on my old dog's grave, you're obligated to, to trust me. That's silly, right? But that's exactly what we're saying when we invoke other things to firm up our yeses and our noes. It's really what we're doing. So it's kind of like a, it's like a, come on, man, just don't do it, right? That's what James is telling us. All right, I'm done with that one. And that's really kind of how I feel this is a little bit, right? You know, you go through James, it's a little proverby, right? It's boom, boom, these different sections. So James then goes right into this. In the prayer. He said, is any one of you suffering? Pray. 
Are you happy? Are you joyful? Sing praises, a.k.a. pray. Are you sick? Pray. That kind of covers everything, doesn't it? James is just saying as simple as this. All these things in your life, pray. Seek God about it. So what is prayer? It's simple communication with God. It's it's talking to Jesus about all the aspects of our lives. It's bringing Jesus into the everyday part of our lives. Every single piece, big and small. I heard a guy say once before, you know, it, it really doesn't take a lot of faith to pray to God about these big things. It's really praying involving God into the little things of life that actually take faith. Because we say, oh, that's a God thing. Of course God's concerned about that, but God's really not concerned about this little piece of my life. No, he really is, because he's a good father. You know, um, if we think about it, we want our kids, I mean, I, I remember when my kids were younger, and even today, you know, they'll tell, they, when they were little, they'd be like, Dad, check out this little, this, this little tiny bug here or whatever else, and it's like, I've seen that before. It's a fly, dude. You know, like, (laughs) but I get right in there with him, right? And God's the same thing. God knows all that's going on. He he doesn't just push us off and say, yeah, I've seen it. No big deal. No, he wants us involved with him and involve us. I mean, we think about it. In today's world, what do we do with our experiences? Come on, what do we do with our experiences? We tweet them. We Instagram them, we Facebook them, Snapchat them. Why? We want to show people what we're up to. Why not? It's fun. It's exciting. Why do we follow others? We want to see what they're up to. We want to see what's going on in their lives. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's really neat, right, to be able to do that. So are we posting to God? What's going on in our lives? Are we just assuming he knows what's happening? Or are we connecting with him about what's what's going on with our lives? You know, maybe you're not a social media person. Maybe you're sitting here going, I've got no idea what a tweet is. That's fine. That's okay. Continuing that freedom, right? It's not a problem. You're better for it. You have way more time in your life now. It's great. So friendships, what happens in our friendships? We share life together. You know, I love getting together with some people that I haven't seen in a while. We just connect and, and, and catch up. It's awesome. And even with those that I see every day, we catch up and it's awesome. Um, but you know what we do in those relationships? If they're, if they're really relationships, you know, we lament about life. We celebrate about life. We challenge each other. We ask for help, Right? I mean, we all have helped each other move chicken coops. Chris Goodwin. Um, right? You know, we've, we've done those sorts of things in life. You know, even just the other day, Jonak and I were out to dinner because we are at this awesome place in our lives where our kids are pretty independent and they're all off doing something. And fellas, when your wife says, hey, all the kids are gone for the evening, let's go out for dinner. Yes is the answer. Um, <laughs> it's not a where or how much, or whatever. Yes is the answer. We'll figure it out. And during that time, we just had a great conversation about life and what was going on. And it wasn't just about our kids, but, uh, you know, I mean, what's been happening the past few years and, and how that's affecting us. And, you know, as I, I'm 43 years old and I feel like I'm just starting to figure out who I am. And, you know, you just, you just 
learning and, and having that experience was just a, excuse me, just a really cool time. But you know, God wants that same thing with us. Are we having that intimate relationship with God our Father? And Jesus even directs us how to pray. Matthew records in, in, uh, in, in chapter 6, you know, our Father, and then talks through that, how we are to connect with him. You know, so if God is our Father, don't we think that he wants to communicate with us? Yes, he does. And he wants us to communicate with him. So, What's also interesting here in James is he sort of lays out three different ways of prayer as we're talking about prayer here and how we can connect with God, with each other as fellow believers. So there's personal, right? verse 13, between you and God. We got verses, and so we got intercession um, prayer, 14 through 15, where somebody is going to others and saying, hey, pray for me about this specific thing. And then the sort of in 16, so the corporate prayer, where we are, people are gathering together to pray for each other. Um, and then one little note there that I've often found, and I don't know if you've noticed this as well, when we gather together for prayer, I find it interesting. I mean, and I'm going to point back to verse 13 here when he's talking about suffering and he's talking about um, singing praise when we're cheerful. I'm just going to put it out there for us to consider. Next time you gather with other people to pray, don't let it just be about the concerns, the, the sufferings, and the sicknesses that's going on in life. Talk about the cheerful things that God is doing. Often we get ourselves stuck in the rut of, and it's fine, God, you know, I, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, these struggles, these pains, these hurts, these aches. That's fine. God wants us to pray about those things, but I think we miss it when we don't just spend time praising God for all the amazing ways that he's gifted us. And, you know, I mean, we all drove here. I don't know how many cars the Luthauser group brought today, but I know we all go in different directions. There's at least three of them here. You know, praise the Lord that we have, like, abundance. It's amazing. So I just wanted to make sure I made that little note there. So I'm going to take a little sidebar here, and I'm really... And James is, says it here, so I kind of have to go there. There's this thing about calling the elders for the specific part around prayer. Um, and as I was doing some study and thinking about it, I'm like, why the elders? Why the elders of the church is James calling them? What is an elder? You know, an elder um, is also known as a shepherd of God's flock, um, What's a, what's a shepherd? You know, they take care of the sheep, um, was overseeing the sheep, make sure the sheep was taken care of. If a sh one of the sheep broke their leg, who, who, a random person probably would have a hard time helping the sheep because the sheep didn't trust them. And that's kind of where I'm going on this. Um, so I have a couple of questions for us elders, sort of a bit of self-examination. I mean, he says to call the elders when somebody is sick, anointing them um, with oil in the name of the Lord. And I just thought that, that there was, that that, James didn't say that just as a sidebar, you know, and the question for us elders are, um, are we seeking Jesus in such a way that we're growing in these spiritual gifts 
this idea of healing? Are we useful and trustworthy because we're growing in Christ in such a way? And then us elders, like, are we worthy? Like, are we living a lives that are, that, are, that are an example not to be religious, like I said, but are we following Christ in such a way that the people that God has put before us um, to, to care for, are, are we worthy to um, be asked into this intimate place with these people? Um, with folks to lead them because of our deep love for Christ. So that's a challenge to us elders. Because we notice James didn't call the healers, he called the elders. So why didn't he call the healers? Well, there's this spot right here that I thought was interesting. It says, the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. And I, what is this prayer of faith? You know, I wonder... Um, and I'm not going to dive too far. We're not taking a deep dive into 1 Corinthians 12, 9 when it talks about spiritual gifts. But I've noticed um, the older I've gotten and in, in seeing some of my, my fellas and, and, and other people, um, fellas and ladies that are following Christ longer than I have, and it's like hard to tell what their spiritual gifts are simply because they seem to have all of them. Right? Because they're growing. And so I wonder sometimes that we misunderstand what the spiritual gifts are. Some people would think, oh, well, I have the spiritual gift of this, so that means I don't have these things. Well, doesn't mean you can't learn over here. Maybe you're more gifted towards this over here. That's great. Doesn't mean you can't learn this. Doesn't mean you can't grow in this over here. So this idea of this prayer of faith and healing and the fact that James didn't say to call the healers makes me think that healing might not be this one and only spiritual gift for this person but more of an idea around faith. And I look at Jesus, and he was really only um, amazed by two things, or two situations about one thing. One, he was amazed by somebody's faith, and there was a healing attached to Jairus' daughter. And then there was healing, or there was lack of healing because of lack of faith. You could only heal a few people because of the lack of faith in a particular community. So there is this connection between healing and faith. Oh boy, the rabbit hole is opened. And we're not going to go down it. <laughs> and the reason why we're not going to go down it is because it doesn't do us any good. And what's this rabbit hole? What? If I'm not healed, does that mean I don't have enough faith? You see where I'm going? But we also know God gives us faith. So what, I'm not healed? I mean, God I wasn't healed, so God chose not to give me faith? No. See, this is not a rabbit hole to go down because you go down this rabbit hole and it just, it just messes everything up. Because this is, when we are talking about these things of faith and healing, like, this is, these are God things that our brains can't always get around. It is not one plus one equals two. As an engineer, I love equations, and I love things working out. This is not one of those things that you can add, you know, add some ingredients and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it works out to see, look, here, done. 
So what, how, do we, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with this scripture that James is saying is, go do this in a sense and you'll be healed. And This is what I know. I know two things about sickness and healing. I do know because I've seen it myself, not right there before me, but I've prayed for somebody and have seen them healed. I know other people were praying for that particular person, see them healed. My, my, my nephew was one of them. He had no brain when he was born, but now he has a brain. And so, I know these two things I said. God does heal sickness. It's a fact. But it's not everlasting. Lazarus is not here walking around. Right? Two, God wants us to seek him when we are sick and to trust him. So those are the two things that I know about sickness and healing. Um, then James has his, uh, to be honest, I think this is one of the coolest um, scriptures and encouragements um, I've, I've read. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I don't know about you guys, but I look at some of these folks in the Old Testament, and I'm like, wow, those guys had some power. You know, look at it, they, he prayed. It said for, he, he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it didn't rain and, on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And I'm like, I want to give me some Elijah power. Right? Like, I, I want some of that. But one of the, one of the beautiful thing is Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. We're cut from the same cloth. Do we realize that the power, in a sense, that Elijah, Moses, Jeremiah, th the power wasn't theirs. The power was God's. So we have this opportunity to have this same type of relationship with God that Elijah did, that David did, because we're cut from the same cloth. They are men with the same nature like ours, which our nature is people that want to go against God, sinners, right? And, but we are, can be healed from our sin, and we can have the same type of intimate relationship. And so what I see here is James saying there's no excuse. I've written, like if we just sort of take that and we look all back through James and we have like the owner's manual. He's laid it all out. You want a relationship with, with God like Elijah did? Then go do these things. I just think that's cool. You know, that we have that opportunity. So the, coming into this last section, it's a recovery mission is what James is talking about. And he's, he again is imploring his fellow believers, says, my brothers, my brothers, hey, if there's anyone among you, so a fellow believer, remember he's writing to the dispersion, my brothers, if there's any of those among you that are wandering from the truth, so, we, I'm just trying to, to section this off. So we have, talking to fellow believers, about fellow believers, 
that are wandering from the truth. And so I spent some time thinking about that. Well, wandering, how often, you know, I was thinking about how this scripture, I've heard it talked about in the past and, or maybe utilized. Um, wandering is just kind of, it, he could have used other words, but he used wandering. So wandering seems like it's slowly going away. I mean, I've been out in the woods hunting, deer hunting, and kind of had to stop and go, oh, where am I? <laughs> right? Like, I, I didn't desire to get turned around, but I did. Um, I sort of started wandering and, and ended up in a place um, where I wasn't quite sure where I was. And that's what I think James is talking about here. It's not straight-up rejection of God. It's a wandering. Nor is it one step away Right, we have to be careful here how we apply this scripture. Um, and the reason with this, this idea of one step, like, hey, we all blow it, right? Every single one of us, one of us blows it. You, know, you do not want to be, sometimes, it happens all the time, but sometimes if I'm working on a project and I'm in the garage and something doesn't go right, a bolt breaks and a car on breaking, there may be a word or two, right? I'm just being honest, you know? A tool might chucked a little harder than it might have been just set down. If you came walking through my, by my garage in that moment, I'm asking you, please, hey, you know, just say, hey, Wes, how you doing? And I'll quickly say, I'm okay, I'm good, forgive me. But the, see, so we have to be careful between this idea of somebody just wandering away and we're calling out shots and judging people in their moment of, oof, I just blew that moment. Hopefully that's making sense. We don't want to use this passage to look for brothers and sisters that are, fall, that, that, that are failing. No, 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 no. This is a wandering. And what are they wandering away from? The truth. They're wandering away from God's truth and, and the gospel of Jesus and his salvation. So God uses us here, though. It says, it, it says if somebody brings him back, so there's a human involvement. We are a critical part of God's plan in this situation. John Piper had a great analogy, I loved it. So who cuts down a tree, the lumberjack or the ax? Both, right? You need the lumberjack holding the ax to cut down the tree. In a sense, God's the lumberjack, we're the ax, you know, the one right in there on the tree. But you need both. One, you can't, can't roll with one out the other. You can't, you can't knock down a tree without, without both of them. And so for some reason, in God's infinite wisdom, we're a part of this whole piece of helping a brother or sister in their wandering come back. So this also could lead to another interesting debate that we're not going to go into. Now that's a whole other topic. Do I, can I lose my salvation? Because it says here, bring a sinner back from his wandering and save his soul from death and we'll cover multitudes of sin. And some people have used this as well, you can lose your salvation. I don't know. 
That, things like that hurt my head, you know, when I start to think about that, because I, I don't know how some of those things work out. But what I do know is what James is asking of us here. And what James is asking of us here is that we go to a brother or sister who's wandering. But let's take, a, let's take a step back, kind of this whole idea of religion versus faith, duty versus living life. Which is easier? Is it easier to go walk with somebody in their mess? Or is it easier to sit back and be religious and judge? You know, a couple weeks ago, James, or Charles shared on James 4 about this idea of us not sitting in judgment. And I can see that there's this connection here, right? For us not to sit in judgment towards a fellow brother or sister who's wandering, but for us to go and to come alongside them. In fact, I think James could have written this in another way to say, my brothers, what keeps you from bringing back someone among you? Right, like what's keeping us from doing this? And that's a question that I have for all of us today. What keeps us? Well, I know guilt could keep us. You know, I feel guilty that, that the person um, I've lost touch with, maybe judgment, you know, we're judging them and what they're doing. Um, to be honest, let's, we're just lazy at times. We allow ourselves to get too busy. Maybe a lack of boldness. Um, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to offend. You know, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to offend them. I'm not sure what to say. But James is pretty clear here. He doesn't, doesn't mix words. He just says, go do it. This is pretty much what James has been doing all along. Honestly, do we understand what's at stake? Do we understand um, that our excuses don't hold water compared to what James is saying for us to do? And again, I already said, I'm not quite, I don't understand maybe this whole have to do some more study on that thought of somebody say, well, is this a place where Scripture is telling us somebody could lose their salvation? That's not where I want to go here. But I do know for certain, because we've experienced in our own lives, when we wander away from Christ, life just doesn't go well for us. Right? We lose hope. We lose our, our, the whole purpose of life is lost. So... It almost kind of feels like a death. So going to somebody who's wandered away from Christ and bringing them back, I mean, the reason why we're here this morning, hopefully, is because we just are so excited about Christ in our lives. Right? Like that. And there's no other thing that's more important than being here with other brothers and sisters. And we're just like, it's because of Jesus. He gives me hope. Not just hope for today, but for eternity. And helps me with every single thing of my life, like James is saying earlier, how we are to connect with God through everything. So if we want that for a fellow human being, or even a fellow brother, why wouldn't we? Our excuses don't hold any water. So how do we bring them back? So James is saying, this is what you should, go, go get them. How do you bring them back? Wes, come on, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to say. You know what, it's easy. We just point them to Jesus. We point them back to what they've already known and seen in the past. We don't have to come up with any convincing words. We just gather with them and say, hey, can I talk to you about Christ again? And, and the gospel. And why is that? Because we know that the Holy Spirit's job 
is to draw people to himself, that God is the healer, and he is the convictor of sin. It's not me. It's not you. We don't have to do that. Praise the Lord, right? We just need to go and be around them and remind them of the gospel. And then what if they claim, but Wes, you don't know what I've done. I'd never be accepted back. I don't really have to go too far than any, anything in scripture here and say, look at this guy here. He did some pretty bad stuff. And he was a man after God's own heart. How's that work out? I don't know. Talking about King David. Right? So we just preach the gospel. It's like, that, you know what? I don't need to know everything you've done. Sure, it's pretty bad, I imagine. Same here. I've done some bad stuff in my day. But it doesn't matter because that's what a savior does. He saves, right? And that salvation covers the multitude of sins. So back to that little spot of that whole idea, can I lose my salvation, this or that? This is what I know. Um, Because I don't think James was getting at that anyhow. But if you're worried about it, I want to answer that question. Stay focused on Jesus and you're all set. Right? If you're concerned about that, stay focused on Christ. Nothing to worry about. So as we finish up here, faith requires action. I kind of think that's that's the central point of James. Faith requires action. If we've missed that point, it's a nice day out. Reread James with that focus in mind and see that. We also know that faith allows the Holy Spirit and we should, this is, this is what we should be focused on. Our faith should allow the Holy Spirit to have his way with us, infiltrating our entire being and dictating our life plans. That's really what it should be about. And that's the central point of James. Faith in Jesus better affect our lives in a radical way or it's just worthless religion. You know, I was thinking more about the passage, the first passage that was read out of 2 Corinthians as as a closure for us here. And, um, you know, you could be sitting here. I I was on a a bike ride yesterday just pondering some of this stuff. and, And you really start thinking about your, your mortality here when you're riding on Route 4 before you get into Queechee and it's really tight there. I don't recommend it, but that's kind of the place I needed to go. And I'm sitting there going, oh man, God, I, I trust you, right? Um, but I, all joking aside, if you've been, James is clear. We need faith in Christ and we need to have it have action. You may have been here lots of years. You may be a young adult who's grown up, you know, and, and coming here and you're still trying to figure this out. You may be here for the very first time. Um, I'm not quite sure. If you're ever here for the first time, make sure you say hello to me because I, I like to meet people. But if this is new to you, or it's an old hat, and I think of 
And I think of Charles, and he'll tell you his story. He, he came to this church for many years before he was a follower of Christ and heard all this stuff. But I just want to read, um, let me find it right here. This right here. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault can be found in our ministry. And my point of reading that is, if you're sitting there going, I'm not quite sure about this still, what are you waiting for? Why not today? We do have to make a choice whether we're going to follow Christ or not. Wandering and being lukewarm really doesn't do us any good. And we know that faith in Christ and is true. We know that heaven is true, that hell is true. And we know that we're also here for a really short time. And we know that faith in Christ is way better than whatever this world has to offer. So I implore you to, uh, to grab me later today if you want to talk more about that. But what are you waiting for? Let me pray. Jesus, we are grateful to you for this time we've spent in James. Um, that as we have finished off the book of James, that we would allow our, cell, allow our faith to have action. And our action is to follow you and to seek after you and to be, a, be the axe, <laughs> be the tool that you use um, in this world, whether it is to have a changed life or whether it is to go and serve those that are the least of these. We are so grateful for your word. May it dig deep down into our souls today. Amen.